Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra. As always, with James from Gunnerblog, a goodly morning to you, James. Goodly morning to you, Andrew. Here we are again. Here we are again. Seems so soon after the last one, but circumstances mean that we have to get one in the can, as it were, because you're uh, you're heading off on holidays tomorrow. That's it. The land of Hamon Ruffles beckons me yes. off to Mallorca again. Mallorca. Uh, I just need my. I need that crisp fix, that sweet crisp fix, or savoury crisp fix. Well, that's well. it. It's not about sunshine. It's not about sea. It's not about sangria. It's not about paella. It's not about any of those things anymore. It's not about getting away, recharging your batteries. Not about soaking up a bit of healthy vitamin D from the sky. None of those things apply to holidays anymore. It is all simply and utterly to do with crisps, which is uh, quite sad. But there you go. (laughs) I mean, I will be (laughs) indulging in all those things as well. They're just not the primary reason for me being there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I had an interesting day yesterday. I went to some sort of fair in London. I I just want to tell you about something. Okay. And it was called Lambeth, either country or country fair. Country? Country? Country or county? I don't know. One of those two words. Right. Cow and tree. No, I don't know. And uh, basically they had a show. They had lots of shows. It was like a sort of mini festival, really. Right. But they had one particular show, which was called The Sheep Show. And I thought... Well, I'll check this out. I mean, the title alone sounded interesting enough. Mm. And it was a, a Kiwi man who got a load of sheep of different varieties out on stage and then made them dance to music, pop music. What kind of? Like Taylor Swift? I mean, it's that sort of thing, to be honest. Oh, surely, and- surely they would have to dance to you too, no? Nice. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was very bizarre. Like a sheep, like all different breeds of sheep, some with different kinds of wool and horns and all sorts. And then they each had their own dance move. And he kept talking about how important sheep shearing is. And, you know, it's important. People think sheep shearing's cruel, but it's important we do it. It's not cruel at all. But then he made all these animals dance. And I thought you've slightly undermined your point there about animal cruelty. That is a bit strange, yeah. Dancing, yeah. dancing sheep. But funnily, actually, we, we have a message here from Richard Pike, who's at Spiffle Spaffle, and, and, and he asks me, he said, Arsblog, did Gunnerblog visit Cuddle Corner at Lambeth Country Fair yesterday? Billy goats and alpacas are awesome. So you were spotted. Oh, wow. Well, listen, I didn't visit Cuddle Corner, but I saw that message earlier and was absolutely devastated. I'd love to cuddle an alpaca. Are they the spitty ones or are they llamas? Lamas I don't know, actually. Ones, I've just realised that in my head, they're kind of the same animal. I haven't actually distinguished between them. I think an alpaca is smaller 
They are. Llama. They're smaller and they look cuddlier and, and less dangerous than llamas. I think llamas can, they, they have a sinister edge to them. They're like a woolly ostrich, a llama. Yeah, well, we, we we're going down dangerous territory here. Um, <laughs> well, well, that sounds like a very, very interesting weekend thing to do. It was odd. I mean, how would you feel? All the sheep had different individual dance moves. Like one was like a head banger. One did like a little <laughs> foxtrot. Uh, like they'd all been trained to do a little, little different dance. But I just, I don't know how he taught them. I don't believe it's their natural dancing talent coming to the fore. No, it's not really something they're renowned for, is it, sheep? They're good at following no. things, being herded by dogs, uh, providing us with uh, woolly socks and jumpers, and um, I guess racks of lamb. That's kind of That's about it. it. Not dancing I mean, or uh, what have you. The whole point he was making is that was he was sort of saying we have to look after the sheep. We have to shear the sheep because they wouldn't naturally grow that much wool. It's our fault. We've created these monsters and they can die from not being sheared, apparently. Right. But then he made them dance. But then he made them dance to sort of put the exclamation mark on his point, and I think in doing so, hmm. kind of undid it. It's- I think, if anything, he started talking about the cruelty of the sheep shearing to distract from the cruelty of his weird sheep dancing show. Yeah, I think there's something a bit weird about making animals dance for human entertainment. It's like, you know, that's not what they normally do. They just want to go around and be animals dancing bears and all that kind of stuff. I don't think you can exactly. teach an animal to dance in a in a nice way. Very very few people would be able to do that or very few animals would be able to be taught something without there being a measure of strictness or cruelty to it. So shame on you for going to that show, James. Shame on you. Oh, You're helping and, perpetuate yeah, this. <laughs> I'm part of the problem. I'm part of the problem. You certainly are. Um, any any similar tales of animal adventures from from Dublin this weekend? Uh no. Absolutely none. I didn't do anything animal related other than take the dog for a walk this weekend. And he certainly is not into into dancing. He is, however, obsessed with lights and laser lights and stuff like that. So we won those laser pens, which he chases around the house like a cat. Um, Amazing. Yeah. What, trying to pounce on it? Yeah, he does. He tries to pounce on it. And then we like put it in the corner uh, underneath the cabinet of the, the kitchen. And then he tries to dig it out every single time. And they're smart Incredible. dogs, German Shepherds, but, you know. He cu- he's not connected it to the pen, basically. He's not he's not figured that out yet. Oh, he does. He knows. The minute you go near the area oh, okay. of the kitchen where the pen is, he's standing there like going, come on, come on, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. I think he just he just enjoys the chase. That's, That's it. it it's, is, like a, it's like a human playing video games. He, he knows it's not real, but he's still finding it fun. Exactly, exactly. But apart from that, it was a, a, relatively, a relatively quiet weekend. Um... But, of course, there was some Arsenal. There was some Arsenal this weekend, the second game yeah. of the Australian Tour against Western Sydney Wanderers, and a 3-1 win. And I, as I said in the blog, I thought it was fantastic for the fans out in Australia, not only to see Arsenal in the flesh, not only to see a couple of really nice goals, but also to see Arsenal do an Arsenal in terms of yeah. the goal that we conceded, where you go, what the f- What? What were you thinking, guys? I think that's uh, very generous of the club to, uh, to to give that to the Australian fans. I mean, if you didn't see it, it really was a classic of the form. Aaron Ramsey played a black, a, ba- a black pass, a back pass to Emmy Martinez. I don't know. He must have been about four yards away from his own goal, Ramsey. It was quite an odd decision anyway to knock it back to him. Martinez then just picked it up, seemingly forgetting 
the rules of football. <laughs> I don't know how he possibly thought he was going to get away with it. And then that led to the most exciting of things, an indirect free kick very close to the goal. It's always good to see that. I fucking love those. I love those. Oh, there's my, uh, there's my phone. Hang on just one sec. Yeah, go on. That was actually a used car salesman on the phone for me there. So, um, yeah, there you go. Anyway. um, (laughs) Reliable. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But no, I do love a a free kick, an indirect free kick from inside the box. They're they're so rare, aren't they, that there's there's just something fun about them, even when you're the team that's facing it. Yeah, and usually they're relatively difficult opportunities to score from, right? I feel like they don't actually result in goals all that often but I think against Arsenal's sort of special rules apply even when we somehow manage to block it it finds its way into the net this one I think Monreal blocked it on the line and then the same guy just like <laughs> hammered it into the roof of the net yeah it was good it was a tidy finish I have to say um, but, a, but a classic Arsenal Arsenal moment for uh, for all those fans down under who had of course been treated to a couple of very nice goals before that mm. uh, Olivier Giroud nice near post yeah. finish he's good at those it was it was trademark Giroud, really. We saw trademark Arsenal defending and trademark Giroud finishing. Mm. Uh, and the second one from Aaron Ramsey, which I really liked, a lovely left-footed chip over the goalkeeper, a lovely ball over the top by Nacho Monreal. Two assists for Nacho Monreal. He crossed for Giroud as well. Yeah. But that was a great goal, yeah. Le- great sort of left-foot pass from Monreal, a left-foot little lob finish from Ramsey. Uh, Ramsey, I mean, Ramsey looks fit. He's running around an awful lot. I mean, I know it's only pre-season, but... He's he's covering a lot of ground. Yeah, and look, you would hope that a, a pre-season like this will enable him to go into the season in good shape because mm. last season, obviously, he was uh, away at the European Championships, came back, and I don't know whether we rushed him back, but he got injured in the first game of the season, didn't he? He went down with a hamstring problem, and that set him back, That's and right, it yeah. sort of set the course for the first two-thirds of his season. He remained fit for the for the final third of the season, obviously made a contribution in that final third, uh, that nice run that we went on, and obviously the FA Cup final. But if he can maintain that fitness going into the new season, then then that's a positive thing for him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what this new system did for Ramsey was just liberate him to roam around all over the place, and he seems to be taking full of advantage of it at the moment. Should we um, should we have a better tactical plan than allowing Aaron Ramsey to roam around all over the place? <laughs> I'm sure we do. I'm sure we do. I'm just that's my layman's you know interpretation of it, and I don't mean Jens Layman. I mean me who doesn't know anything about it. But <laughs> I uh, uh, also that is his main strength. I think Ramsey's at his best, isn't he, when he's kind of. Uh, you know, let loose. I think that's when you see sometimes the best of him. Yeah, it's whether or not the system can allow for a player like that and also allow for a player like Mesut Ozil, for example, who also likes to, I'm not saying roam all over the place, but he's certainly best when he's got a little bit of freedom to to move around the pitch. I think he he roams in a different way than Ramsey. Ramsey's much more energetic, uh, lung-busting runs, etc., etc., and Ozil 
glides around the pitch a bit a bit more, uh, which isn't to say he doesn't run just as far. I think if you look at the stats and everything else, uh, we see that from Mesut Ozil. But uh, yeah, no, promising, promising from Aaron Ramsey. Uh, third goal, Mohamed Elneny getting forward from centre half where he was the linchpin, the libero. Yeah. That was interesting. I mean, uh, yeah, he did well, actually. I mean, he didn't have to do too much defending, to be honest, for the most part. It was sort of principally get the ball off one of the other two centre-halves and distribute it. But his goal was a deflected shot. But did you see a shot that hit the bar in the yeah. second half? Yeah, yeah. It was a I really... Mean, do you know what it reminded me of? You know when you try and do a curling shot in FIFA and you just sort of have to yeah. slow it down and you have to put the right button and then... It, it all just takes a, a few seconds longer than you think it should. But yeah, a very good effort. Very unlucky not to score there uh, in the second half. Yeah, and you know, when we signed on any from Basel, there was a lot of talk. He scored a few long-range goals for them, but hasn't really come to fruition at Arsenal. There's that brilliant finish against Barcelona. But mm. You never know. Maybe he's got that in his locker. Finally, playing at centre-half's given him the room he needs to, to utilise that long-range shooting. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Interesting. Uh, you know, he's. I think he's a safe option there when you're playing a game like that in pre-season because he's very good with the ball. He's efficient. He doesn't waste the ball. And that's what you want from that guy playing in that, that central defensive position to be able to move the ball left left and right or into midfield. I'm, mm. I'm not sure defensively he's the guy that you would want in that position, but I don't believe that he's an option there when we start playing more serious opposition, to, to be no, honest. No, we've got a ton of centre-halves, really. I don't, I don't think it'll come to that. But mm. I, I mean, I, I suppose there are some games. If, you, if Arsenal were at home and against, I don't know, lower league opposition in the Cup or something like that, if we were going to continue with this system, maybe there would be that opportunity to, to drop a midfielder in there, just because if you're going to have that much of the ball, you might be able to get away with it. Mm. I think it is, it's interesting, too, that we've played two pre-season friendlies so far, and for all the talk of wanting to switch up formations and have the option to go to a back four it's not something we've done really at any point yet so no that's true cl- clearly three at the back is the plan for now hmm all right well look at uh, the uh, the tour ended successfully two wins um great for the fans down there and everything else so uh, it's off to china now where we play Bayern Munich on Wednesday, Chelsea on Saturday, and uh, after that, Emirates Downhill Cup. from here, then. <laughs> All downhill from here. But those are games that we might talk about uh, next week when you get back from Mallorca. Mm, exciting. I mean, look, uh, I, uh, you can forgive me a bit of trepidation. It's been a rel- relatively positive preseason so far, but those fixtures are mm. uh, interesting ones, to say the least. <laughs> they certainly are. They certainly are. OK, well, look, um, the other thing that happened over the weekend was the interview that Alexis Sanchez gave uh, Mm. while he was away in in Chile. And he talked about his future and he talked about the decision that he appears to have made about his future, where he said he wants to to play Champions League football. uh, Mm. That seems to be an important thing for him. Um, What did you make of the comments? I know you did a video on it and you're, you're pretty sure that Alexis Sanchez is going to leave Arsenal. But of course... It's not a question of of this summer. If it's not a question of this summer, rather, it's going to be next summer. Well, exactly, yeah. Um, but, you know, if people haven't heard the comments, he says, look, he's uh, he's made a decision. He says, the truth is, the decision doesn't depend on me. My decision has been made, but now we wait for a response from Arsenal. It depends on them and what they want. And then the reporter says, what decision is that? And he went, well, I'd like to play in the Champions League and win it. It's a dream that I've had since I was little. Um and then the uh, the reporter says, 
you know, are you motivated to stay at Arsenal or would you prefer to be with Claudio Bravo, his uh, international teammate at Manchester City and with Pep Guardiola? And then he says, look, the truth is, uh, for now, I'm at Arsenal. So I don't think it's anything particularly surprising. No. But here's my question to you, right? Where, realistically, is Alexis Sanchez going to go? If we take it for granted... Maybe we shouldn't, but I'm making the assumption that Arsenal won't be uh, idiotic enough to sell Alexis Sanchez to Manchester City or sell him to Chelsea, to another English club. I just don't, uh, I maintain that I just cannot see any way that they could do that or justify that without without people going absolutely berserk. So where is he going to go to get this Champions League football? I don't know. I mean, did you see the comments coming out of uh, Bayern Munich yesterday? Yeah. Uh, they effectively ruled themselves out. I mean, I think, I can't, who was it? Was it, uh, it was Rumenegger saying, I don't know what Alexis has said. We're not really on the case anymore. Yeah, that's not, um, we're not on there. Yeah. So that's, that's one less option abroad. There are, I mean, the only thing that makes me think there might be other options abroad is simply that there are big kind of pieces in this transfer market still to, to move, you know, you think about Aubameyang, you think about Morata. There are a couple of big players who could be uh, switching clubs, and that might create some vacancies. But but where? Right I mean, now, if Morata goes, are Real Madrid going to buy Alexis Sanchez? I don't think so. He's not going to go to no. Dortmund. No way is he going to go to Dortmund. They can't afford to pay him what he wants. And I think money is is certainly an issue when it comes to this contract. He can talk about Champions League, but he knows that his next contract is his last big one. His agent knows that too. So a lot of this, well, a lot of this is yeah. down to, to money as well. I'm not saying that money of his, is, is his motivation or anything like that, but it is a, a factor in his next move or what he's going to do when it comes to signing his next contract. It is. I mean, the one, one club that does spring to mind potentially would be Paris Saint-Germain, mm. simply because we know they're big in for Mbappe and Arsene Wenger seems to think at any rate that no one's going to get hold of him this summer. So if that doesn't work out, I guess Alexis could be an alternative there. I mean, it feels like it feels like City is kind of the destination. If you if you gave Alexis free reign, that he might choose. You know, he's talked about potentially wants to stay in England. There's stories that he wants to work with Guardiola again. He's been coy about it in the past, but uh, that might be the place. But then Arsenal, you know, seemingly very resistant to doing that. So it's it's a very it's a very difficult situation. I actually don't know what's going to happen. It feels almost like a bit of a stalemate, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you that PSG seems the only option on the continent that's still open to him, uh, particularly if they get an influx of money because they might sell Verratti. Or has Verratti already gone to Barcelona? Did I miss that? Or that's- He hasn't gone. In fact, he sort of did like a weird sort of hostage video. Did you see that? No. Where like on the Paris Saint-Germain official website, he did a video saying that, you know, the comments of my agent are not my comments. I'm very happy at PSG. Ah. And then just out of frame, there's like a revolver against his head. I don't know. What? <laughs> but yeah. Really? No, no, I'm joking. No, 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 no. But it felt a bit like that. It was felt like, he, right. you know, they were like, we have your family. Do the video. Um, but no, he's he's rode back on his comments saying he might want to leave or his agent's comments at any rate. Yeah. I mean, who is, you have to forgive me, who is Alexis Sanchez's agent? Um, he's the same guy. Yeah, we know. Uh, it's the same guy who's the agent of Vidal. Uh, it's not... Uh, okay, I can't remember his name. Sorry for this awkward pause while I uh, try and find Fernando out. Felicevic. 
Fernando Felicevic. Okay, well, I don't know too much about him, but he's got a. Yeah, I mean, I guess that would have added some validity to the Bayern Munich link, what with Vidal already being there. But yeah. they seem. I mean, I don't. You know, I think the Hammers signing and the fact they're focusing on younger players, it just doesn't fit. So, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. I feel like. It depends if people, if you can take people at their word. If you can take Alexis Sanchez at his word that he considers the decision Arsenal's, and if you take Arsenal at their word that they will not sell him this summer, mm. then it's an open and shut case. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it doesn't strike me that Alexis is agitating. Because, you know, saying that the decision is Arsenal's. I mean, he says, look, he's made his mind up. He would prefer to play Champions League football, but... If it comes right down to it, you know, Arsenal are just not going to sell him to Manchester City. They just can't. Um, Fernando Felicevic is described as the king of South American soccer, representing the likes of Arturo Vidal, Alexis Sanchez and Gary Medell. Um, yeah, truly the king. Truly the That's king. That's the holy trinity of South American <laughs> football right there. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I, I, suppose, I suppose from Alexis's point of view, do you think he's like, well... Whatever happens, I'm going to be all right. You know, I, if I stay at Arsenal, I get very handsomely paid for one more year and then become insanely rich when I move on a Bosman mm. in 12 months' time. Or they sell me and I get a lovely contract anywhere. I mean, it, I, he's probably relatively relaxed about the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's... Look, he probably doesn't want to play Europa League football next season, but, I, you know, if you put him out on the pitch, we're in the Europa League final, he's going to want to play that. He's going to want to win it. I mean, fuck's sake, he just played in the Confederations Cup and talked about, you know, what an honour it would be to win the Confederations Cup. We're all focused on winning this trophy. Nobody gives a fuck about the Confederations Cup. The Europa League is more prestigious than the Confederations Cup. So if he can get himself up for that piece of shit fucking summer tournament, I don't see a real issue in him playing Europa League football next season for one more season. I see people as well talk a little bit about how uh, it's it's a bit rich for Alexis to to say he wants to play Champions League football when he was part of a squad and part of a team that failed to qualify for the Champions League. And I accept that to a certain point. But I think as well, the other the other side of that is he did more than anybody else to try and get us in there with his 30 goals yeah. and 14 assists. So, I mean, from that point of view, I would be inclined to give him a free pass. But to me, it feels like there is no obvious destination for Alexis Sanchez this summer. Apart from maybe PSG, if they really go to town, if they really put uh, some money on the table for Arsenal, perhaps that's where it is. But beyond that, I can't really see anybody else. So, I mean, if PSG did come in, surely there would be a big temptation for the club to do the deal this summer. Because let's say he signs a three or four year contract with PSG, you're effectively guaranteeing his the rest of his peak years aren't being spent with a direct rival. So there, yeah. there must be something appealing about that prospect. Whereas if he goes in 12 months, you can't control where he goes. Of course you can't. And also the fact that if he does go to PSG, then you do have money that you can reinvest in the squad, haha, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, they might feel that that, all things considered, might be the best option for the club um, mm. rather than let him go on a free. You know, there's part of me that would really... Uh, Really like to see Arsenal hold on to him. And if he goes on a free, he goes on a free. So be it. That the contract is the contract that he signed. Like I said a few weeks ago, if he does that, then we can't complain. We can't complain if he fulfills his contract with us. If he plays another good season. I don't see how we can have any complaints about that. Um, It's interesting as well, though, isn't it? You know, a lot of people seem to have turned on Alexis a bit. 
Maybe not a lot, but there's always a cohort of, of fans who think, well, fuck him, we're better off without him, he's a snake, he's this, that, and the other. And it's like, well, just, you know, step back a bit. He's not it's doing anything t- particularly wrong, is he? No, I mean, we've seen much, much worse, yeah. haven't we, in these cases. Um, it's funny, there it does seem to be a lot of kind of... I mean, you could call it revisionism, but there's definitely movement, tectonic movement about perception of players. You know, I have seen people kind of criticising Alexis and questioning his real value to the team. And then by contrast, there's been a kind of outpouring of grief about the potential departure of Olivier Giroud, who Mm. has been a a very divisive figure among Arsenal fans over a couple of years or so. So it's interesting how things change, isn't it? I, 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 um, I I, look, I would love Alexis to stay, but I I really feel like even if he does, it's probably for 12 months max. I mean, anything could happen, anything could change, but my sense is that if he was going to sign a new contract, he'd just sign it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. But I think we also have to look at the the overall picture, the fact that it is part of the negotiations that, you know, look, I don't think he wants to sign a new contract with Arsenal, but I don't think the delay... you, you have to look at the overall picture, that this is part of the process. This is the way negotiations go down, that uh, agents and players put themselves in the strongest possible position they can. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think perhaps that the, the, the story this morning from David Ornstein that Arsenal are growing less optimistic of signing Lamar, is, is that from the Monaco side, do you think? Or would it be perhaps based on the positive texts that Arsene Wenger says he's had from Alexis Sanchez, that the belief is that whatever happens this summer, they can keep him for next season. Well, it's interesting. I I found that positive text quite, quite interesting. I mean, I I guess it depends what you consider positive. Like Alexis may have said to Arsene, I mean, this is complete speculation now. This is real summer madness kicking in. But if he said, it's up to you, effectively, is that positive as, as far as Arsenal are concerned? I guess it is because it's like, okay, well then, we say you're staying. You know, it doesn't have to be, I love Arsenal, I wish to stay forever. It could just be, I'm not going to force a move. Uh, and we might deem that positive. I, the Lamar thing, I don't know. I don't know. You know, we know David Ornstein's very well connected with the club. I guess it feels like it was a deal that there was some momentum behind mm. a couple of weeks ago and that that has stalled somewhat. And I think the impending exits at Monaco, well, I think Bakayoko's already done to Chelsea and Mendy. It looks as if it's going to Man City. One wonders if if they are going to keep Mbappe, if if part of that will be a promise that we don't sell all our stars, you know? Yeah, but it also shows that Monaco are prepared to sell their players if the price is right. I guess. Sure. I guess as well, though, there there must come a point where you look at your squad and think we just simply can't afford to lose any more players. And Mm. it it feels to me like Monaco are approaching that point right now where... yeah, you, you know, when when you look at who they have lost to lose somebody like Lamar as as well, as good as they are at attracting and finding young talented players and and really developing them, uh, which is something they've they've had great success with over the last uh, few years. There has to come a point where you go, look, that's enough. We just simply cannot lose another first team player because it's too difficult to replace them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. I think another factor in their thinking may be that they look at Lamar and they look at Mbappe and they look at the way the transfer market is spiralling and they think, as as valuable as they are now, in 12 months' time, mm. we probably could make even more money out of a sale if they continue to develop as expected. So 
It's, uh, I mean, it, it feels like the deal Arsenal would absolutely love to do. It feels as if it's been quite an intense pursuit. And the money we're talking about, having had rejected, you know, whatever it was, 45 million euros, something like that, the most recent bid, it's an awful lot of money mm. already. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I see the club pushing the boat out to, I don't know, 60 million pounds, something like that at this stage for for a player who's you know, still a, a little unproven. But... Mm. Uh, we shall see. I mean, I don't. As I said, I don't expect anything major to really to happen until we get back from tour. Alexis returns to training, and there's a little bit more clarity. I mean, do you think if Alexis is staying and Meza Özil is staying, and Arsene Wenger said out in uh, Australia, 100% Alex Oxlade Chamberlain is staying, do you think that there may be no further incoming business? Um, I don't know. I'd be surprised if there wasn't at least one more addition to the squad, mm. to be perfectly honest. Uh, where it is, though, that that's the big question because there are still question marks over other players. There's still question marks over Jack Wilshire, Sandy Cazorla, when is he going to be back? It does leave us with midfield issues as well. Um, so, yeah, I, w- I would be surprised, but I think, like you say, there needs to be a bit more clarity from both sides when it comes to the futures of those players. Like, is Oxley chamberlain staying, but only staying 12 months? Is Ozil staying, but only staying 12 months? Is Alexis staying, but only staying 12 months? You know, it's fine to think about that for next season, but it does mean that you've got a lot of work to do and decisions to be made about how you're going to replace those players in 12 months' time. And if it is a case that they are going to go in 12 months' time, there has to be some consideration given to maybe selling one of them to help part fund a replacement. So That's it. Because like, I think writing off 50 million for Alexis, okay, that's one thing. But writing off, I don't know, 110, 120 million for all three of those players yeah. is another thing entirely, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, um, it really is. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, what did you make of the Oxlade-Chamberlain thing? Arsene Wenger seemed very, very confident that he'd be staying next season. Yeah, I, whether that's based on information about him signing a new deal, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. A- again, it could be just the club putting their foot down and saying, we are not going to sell you. Because all the reports seem to say that Oxlade Chamberlain is not going to sign a new deal. Those are coming from his side and whether it's his agent being difficult or whether that's the true intention, I, I don't really know. But that's why I feel like there needs to be a bit more clarity there. I mean, there's uh, stories this morning um, emanating from uh, Talk Sport, so you can um, take whatever pinch of salt you want with those. But the the sure. suggestion is that uh, Wojciech Szczesny, Callum Chambers, and Kieran Gibbs are going to be sold. Uh, they reckon we could uh, earn forty five million pounds for that. I don't quite see how those figures add up because Juventus appear to be playing low ball when it comes to Szczesny, uh, Gibbs. You know, I think it's inevitable that he moves on, but again, nobody's wanting to pay £15 million. Callum Chambers, I'm a little bit disappointed about, to be honest. I would like to keep him, I think, given that we're playing a three-at-the-back formation, given that we do need a bit more depth at centre-half, and he's had a very good season at Middlesbrough. I, I, I'm I, a little bit unhappy about that one, to be honest. I'm a little bit surprised to see his name on that list. Uh, I thought, you know, with the back three, he'd be in contention to feature more regularly. So, yeah, I, I, or feature at all, I suppose, this season. Um, yeah, I'd be a bit surprised by that one. But then, I mean, we had a question about this in the second second part, part but I, we're seeing as we're talking about it. Um, 
I can't remember who it was now, but somebody said about El Nenny playing at the back. Is that an indicator that someone might be sold? Maybe a Chambers. Do you think that there's anything? No, in that? I just think that's preseason. I think we're without Chambers. We're without Holding. We're without Mustafi. We're without Gabriel, and it's just a matter of filling in the numbers. To be honest, in in preseason, uh, I don't think it's part of a, a Colo Toure esque plan to convert Mohamed El Nenny into a a centre half. I, I just mm. don't see that being the case I think it's just pre-season the level of the opposition that we were playing means it's not risky uh, in order to do that so no I, I don't see that but I you know I would have been I would have been keen to keep Chambers at least for one more year to see if he could develop into the player that we thought he was going to be obviously when we signed him we spent a lot of money on him in 2014 when transfer fees hadn't gone as crazy as they um, as they have been uh, now, £16 million for Callum Chambers in 2014 was as high as a, a transfer as we paid for anybody apart from Alexis or Mesut Ozil. I mean, that was our, yeah. our, our transfer record, more or less, and, and we did break it for a kid who, who hadn't played a lot of first-team football, so there must have been something that we saw in him uh, and I think he, he showed last season at Borough that, that there's a lot of talent there. I mean, he kept Rob Holding out of the England under-21 side. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's something so there in him as a player, but it's whether or not Arsene Wenger believes in him or not. Maybe he lost faith to such an extent that he just can't see him recapturing the form or recapturing his place. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe Arsene knows something we, doesn't, we don't and thinks after James's decent year at Middlesbrough, this might be the optimum point at which to... To get return on that investment. Uh, good, good to know that we don't need to panic though about Elneny playing centre back or Lacazette playing as an inside forward or Eddie and Ketia even playing as a left wing back. It's just pre season. None of it particularly matters at this stage. That, that really is it. That's the crux of it. To be perfectly honest. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else we need to talk about from the weekend? Or um, I'm trying to think now. I don't. I mean, I enjoyed watching Robert Perez play football again. It was lovely in the Star Sixes. I don't oh, know if you saw it at all, no. but he's very much still got it. He's very uh, within a six-yard six-side context. At any rate, he's mm. very much still got it. Yeah, I, um, I'm not that desperate for football yet that I had to <laughs> to watch that though. Oh, I mean, I'll be honest. It, it was it was a fascinating watch. I mean, Gilberto was there for Brazil. Turns out. Julio Baptista is actually brilliant. Our problem was that we played him 11 aside and not six aside. At six aside, he's astonishingly good. Um, set up a six aside team, yeah. Power Yeah, league. exactly. That was our mistake. Uh, Full size pitches for Baptista, no good. But yeah, no, nice to see Robert Pires. I mean, uh, even, uh, I suppose the amazing thing is that players, even at that age, well, I know he still trains with Arsenal regularly, but the, the first touch is still mm. so immaculate. And the thing I'd forgotten about Pires seeing him run is that characteristic kind of waddle he had I'd, I'd forgotten he had such a unique running style do you remember yes I do of course of course he sort was sort of like flat footed almost you know it's like a yeah like a, like, like a penguin or something yeah like a duck on amphetamines <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's uh it's pretty unique yeah but, but pretty special nonetheless well it is always good to see uh Robert Perez so uh I, mm. might, I might see if I can search out some clips on the internet you never know what you can find on the oh there's internet. one goal he scored for France yeah in this tournament which was classic Perez I think I might have retweeted it check it out on my timeline it's just one of those side foot finishes from the left hand side uh and it just sort of beautifully curls into the far corner I mean, okay trademark trademark stuff. trademark Robert Perez okay cool well look we'll leave it there for uh, part one we'll come back with your questions and more in part two right after this
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is part two, where we answer the questions that you send to us on Twitter and on Facebook. It's at GunnarBlog and at Arsblog on Twitter. And Facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog is our Facebook uh, address thing. That's where you'll find the Facebook on Facebook. Um, uh, I'm going to go there first. all along. Yeah, I'm going to go first today, James. Go on. I'm sure you've seen the, uh, the news that Dan Crowley has left. He's left Arsenal to join Willem Tway in Holland. He's going to play in the Eredivisie from now on. He's a highly rated mm-hmm. young midfield player, but had problems on his loan spells with Barnsley and Oxford. He was sent back to Arsenal on both occasions. Some question marks over his temperament, his application, his professionalism, but he is a, a very highly rated young midfield player. Maybe the change of scenery will do him good. It'll help him mature. And interesting, I think, to see so many young players go abroad we're seeing players go to uh, to Holland. Obviously, Chris Willock went to Benfica. Kalen Hines, Kalen Hines went to uh, Wolfsburg. So Wolfsburg, I think that's yeah. I think that's really interesting. A positive thing for young English players uh, who who really don't have a path through to the first team at Arsenal. But Fred Thurbin, who's at RLF86, wants to know: Have we stopped being seen as a team that promotes youngsters into the first team? I, I, well. I suppose is that I guess off the back of people leaving. I mean, are they doing so because they no longer believe Arsenal is a place where they can make that step up? I don't know. I mean, I think over the last <laughs> you couple just of said I don't know. I <laughs> uh, know. So they didn't hear that. <laughs> they didn't hear that bit. But should we find that question? Where is it? Um, yeah, it's... we weren't on air when we were talking about that, were we, James? No, on. we weren't. We weren't. So basically, there was a question on the Facebook. <laughs> oh dear, I f- can't find it now. But oh, here we go, James. There uh, we go. Mark Femi <laughs> on the Facebook said, <laughs> "Why does James always say uh, I don't know anytime you ask him a question, <laughs> and yet still goes on to answer the question?" Uh, the reason I do is <laughs> just barefaced honesty, guys. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, I'm guessing. I'm guessing, like we all are. Oh, so, okay, good. I do know. Shall I start by saying I do know? You do know, yes. Yeah. Be positive. Okay, I do know. What I do know is that both Hector Bellerin and Alex Awobi have made the step up from the academy to the first team yeah. in the last couple of years. Which indicates that, you know, the, the well's not completely dry and that the path does still exist. I just think maybe it's a little bit more difficult right now than it has been in the past because Arsenal have a bigger senior squad than they have done for a long time. Mm. So the queue's that much deeper, you know, longer. Um, 
And I think maybe players are recognising that and thinking maybe there are also examples, other examples in the top flight of people who have gone away, picked up experience elsewhere and then come back to the Premier League in other forms and it's it's helped them out. So maybe people, are, I don't know, are more open to the idea. What do you think? I think it's a really weird one, to be honest, because everyone is so invested in transfers and they want the club to go out and spend big money on top quality players to have a, a really deep squad that can help us through a season, through a European campaign that can improve us, that can make us uh, perhaps bridge that gap between fifth and first that, that we uh, we have to deal with from the end of last season. So everybody wants the club to do that. But they also want the club to bring through young, exciting, talented players. They want that mm. progression to happen as well. And I, I, I'm not sure that the two things can work hand in hand, to be perfectly honest. I think it's very difficult for young players to make the step from youth football to senior football. I don't think people understand quite how big the gap is, to be perfectly honest. It's no, huge. I, it really is. I, and uh, Yeah. On, yeah, so. and I think the, sorry, the more money you start spending in the transfer market, the more difficult it is to keep that path open. I mean, look at Manchester City and Chelsea, by way of example, who have incredibly successful youth teams, mm. but really struggle uh, to convert that into people who graduate to the first team. Yeah, uh, and I think that's about two things: it's about the fact they spend a lot of money in the transfer market, but it is also, as you say, about just how difficult a step that is to make. Mm. Um, and Barcelona is another great example. Barcelona do it in quite an interesting way, don't they? Because they have a, a very good academy, but then they often will let players go or have a buyback clause or something like that. Madrid, the same, which seems like quite a sensible model. I mean, I know it's a little bit unusual or unconventional in England at any rate to let a player go and then potentially take up an option in, on him in two or three years' time. But it seems like quite a sensible way to ensure people get the first-team experience they need. And yeah. you can make a, get a better gauge on their ability after that. Well, I think so as well. But the other thing with the system in Spain is that the, the, the academy players are playing competitive football because True. they have the, the B teams, which the operate teams, in, the, yeah. in the lower leagues in Spain. So they're playing actual competitive football against established season professionals who aren't maybe top level, but it still provides a more, a better platform to develop as a footballer when you're playing competitive football. Our guys are playing under 18s, under 19s, under 23 football. You could be playing, you know, at the training ground or at Boreham Wood and you're playing in front of a few hundred people or behind closed doors against other players who are all, I won't say stagnating, but who aren't really getting the benefits of, of competitive football. The other thing I wonder as well is if we do perhaps overrate some of the young players that we have based on what they do at that level. They can look very, very promising at youth level, but when it comes to making that step up, and we've cited examples on the podcast down the years, Jay Emmanuel Thomas, for example, a guy who looked like he was going to absolutely boss it because he had everything. He had the skill, he had the pace, he had the power, he had the physique, he had everything to do it. But at that level, he had perhaps... I won't say an unfair advantage, but a bigger advantage uh, because he was that 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 big guy who could dominate games, but it's not as easy to do it at, at the top level. So I think perhaps as well, we, we tend to think that these young players are better than they are. And actually, they need to do what the likes of Dan Crowley are doing. They need to do what Kalen Hines is doing, what Chris Willock is doing. And that is to leave, perhaps to make a sideways step uh, rather than going straight to first team football at Arsenal. They need 
need to go and play in a different league, in a different culture, to play first-team football somewhere, whether it's League Two, League One, Championship, abroad, a so-called lower league abroad, like the Eredivisie perhaps is viewed, or like the Portuguese League is viewed, certainly at a slightly different level than than the Premier League. And from there, they can progress. They can make actual progression in their career. So I don't get too... um, I don't get too upset when these young guys leave. I think the the really good ones are often given a chance. Yeah. Uh, and we've seen Bellerin, we've seen Awobi come through and, you know, they've made that step up, but it's really not easy. So I think it's good for these young players to go out and I think it's good for the academy to produce these young players. And also when they leave, it means that there's a, a path for some of the other young players to become a bit more important in the academy and get closer to start knocking on the door of first team football at Arsenal, whether they get it or not. I think this season is going to be quite interesting because I think we're going to see um, we're going to see more opportunities for young players. Actually, I have a question about that here. Let me see if I can find it. One second here. It's from David Saunders, who's at SaundersDavid96, who says, do you agree with the alleged idea if Arsene Wenger is to play youth in the Europa League? Well, I'd be interested in that. I mean, I don't know if we can afford to do entirely the youth team because I think if our squad stays anything like the size it is now, there'll be first team players who who want uh, to get in those games. You know, if if someone like uh, Olivier Giroud stays, for example, the Europa League is going to be absolutely vital for him in terms of getting some game time. But I'd love to see a few kids in there because... I I loved watching those Carling Cup teams of kind of 2006, 2007, around that era. Uh, it was a really exciting time. And we've got some talented youngsters on the books as the Tour of Australia has shown. So, yeah, I'd love to see some of them get an opportunity. I guess a mix of youth and experience is probably the most beneficial in some ways because it's helpful for them to play alongside established first team players too. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's got to be a mix in the Europa League because there is a demand for more, for better in the Premier League and the manager is going to have to balance his squad and that means A, using some fringe players, of course some experienced players, but I think it will provide an opportunity for some young players, some young talented players to get that competitive football that they need. They might not sink, they might not swim, but it'll give us a better idea of, of their suitability for uh, for the first team. So yeah, I think, it's, uh, I think it's going to be interesting. You know, we all want Champions League or we'll prefer for Champions League football, but to me, there's something interesting about the Europa League this season simply because it is something different than what mm. we've had. Um, so it might just be a bit more, a bit more interesting than the usual Champions League um, nights that we've had for years and years and years, which prove not to be that exciting for the most part. Yeah, I mean, I think the fixture list and the fixture changes, particularly for television, kind of mean we are going to be forced to play. Uh, a weekend side of, of some sort. You know, I, there's some very difficult uh, successive games around the Europa League. So I think there is going to have to be a lot of rotation. But yeah, I'd like to see some young players in there. Why not? Um, I was interested by that Caelan Hines transfer, by the way, because he's not someone who, I don't know, I knew a particular, particularly a lot about. And he was on mm. loan at Stevenage last season in League Two. But the fact that he's gone to Wolfsburg, that's where... Uh, Andres Jonker is now, isn't it? And, yep. and Freddie Jumberg. Yep, yep. So they, they must have thought something of him when he was in the Arsenal Academy. So interesting to see how he fares out Yeah, there. he's gone, I think, into the Academy to be a prospect for their first team. So it's a chance for him. And, yeah. uh, you know, good luck to them all, to all these guys who are leaving. And they've got a great education at Arsenal. And hopefully that will stand them in good stead uh, for their careers today or to come, yeah. rather. Yeah, oh, should do. Should do. Maybe we'll see them back in the Premier League before long. You never know. 
let's have another question. This one is on your favourite subject, <laughs> Theo Walcott. <laughs> and uh, it comes from Aaron Wardsell, who's at Aaron WS on Twitter. Uh, and they ask, what new role can you see Theo taking in our new formation? Is there a way to integrate his strengths into this formation from the start? And that new role is inverted commas, because uh, if you don't know this, Theo Walcott gave an interview, I think in Australia, where he said he's spoken to Arsene Wenger about potentially, uh, yeah, a, a new role in the new system. So yeah. what do you think that might be? I, d- I don't quite know. Yeah, he's it's not wing back, is it? No, it can't be. It can't be. He's just not physically strong enough to be a wing back. He's not defensively aware enough to be a wing yeah. back. His distribution is not good enough to be a wing back. You know, fullbacks using the ball is a really important part of uh, of how a team plays and how a team attacks. And I don't think he could do that. The other, maybe he could play if we play two strikers with one behind rather than two behind one striker. Mm, is that somewhere where he could he could play? Um I don't I don't really see him being suitable for one of the two behind a striker either. So the third center back, the El Nenny role. <laughs> um it's interesting. I did, uh, he said maybe I will change my role in this formation slightly. We'll see how it goes if it works. I can't really say what the role is. So either he doesn't know or he's not allowed to say yet because it might give a give some tactical shift away that we've yet to implement. But as it stands, think, go on. I can only think. I mean, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's not switching back to centre forward again. Is it? It's not, you know, if, if Olivier Giroud, say, were to depart, mm. does that leave us one centre-forward like light? And if we brought in a Lamar or someone like that, they mm. would go into the, the role Walcott's currently operating in behind the striker. So could Walcott become the third-choice centre-forward, maybe? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's something that he might have to consider. I think his role in this team as it stands is restricted. We saw towards the end of last season that he barely played. He was left on the bench because there is no role within that formation that really suits his qualities, his skill sets. Um, So I'd be curious to see what's going to happen here or how he sees his involvement over the coming season. Um, He doesn't sound like a guy who's looking to move away. And I think while there are doubts over Alexis Sanchez to an extent and Olivier Giroud, I, I feel like the manager hasn't made a decision yet on Theo Walcott because he knows he's got a, you know, 10 to 15. He got 19 goals last season. You know, he's got a a guy who can get you a certain amount of goals even during difficult spells or when the the season is not going as well as it can. You know, it's curious, isn't it? He confuses me. He continues to confuse me, Theo Walcott, because he scored 19 goals last season. Part of it was when the team was doing really poorly. Part of it was when the team was doing well. And then we have our best spell of the season when he's out of the team, but you look at him and he's still a 19-goal player. Like any player that gets you 19 goals in a season, you think, well, he's a guy you got to hold on to. But there are questions and have been questions for a long time. I mean, uh, let me see. Anubav, uh, who's uh, at Anubav Singh 93 on Twitter, wants to know, Everton offering £30 million for Walcott? Yes or fucking yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 
you'd have to do it, wouldn't you? Because he just doesn't really fit in the current system. I mean, I, I understand the reservations over selling him because I think we're worried about losing goals potentially this summer and he is a goal scorer, but he's only a goal scorer if you can find him a way to get him on the pitch. And yeah. if we stick with three at the back, I don't see what that is. Same, same. I mean, if, if everything came in with £30 million for Theo Walcott, I think we would be absolutely... Uh, foolish not to accept it because of that very thing that if we are going to use this formation the fact that he scores goals is made redundant by the fact that you don't have a position for him in the team yeah that's it that's it I mean we had this question hang on I'll I'll read it out to you now I feel like I know what your answer is going to be Uh, it was from Jonas M. Taval and they asked would you rather who would you rather sell to Everton Giroud or Walcott Walcott yeah Mm. of course because it just doesn't quite fit with the, the way the team's set up now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there, yeah. are, there are interesting things, aren't there? There are interesting dynamics in terms of our forwards and, and how they're going to fit. Because you could see Lacazette perhaps playing in that two behind someone like Giroud if it came down to it. He, mm. I think he could do it much better than Theo Walcott could do it, even though Arsene Wenger said over the weekend explicitly, Lacazette is going to play most of his football as a centre-forward. It doesn't mean that he's going to get picked that centre-forward all the time, but but that's clearly where he sees him. If you've got Alexis and Ozil in behind him, then you know how do you fit someone like Walcott in the team? Giroud is a great plan B, somebody who could play uh, away from home, somebody who's great off the bench, who can give you that aerial threat. Danny Welbeck, again, a guy who I think could play in that in that uh, in that two as well as the one, mm-hmm. m- much better than Theo Walcott. So he, he feels to me like the one who is most expendable, but there also feels to me like. I don't mean to say that Arsenal and Theo Walcott are going to be stuck together forever and ever and ever, but it feels like they're they're going to be stuck together forever and ever and ever. Yeah, in a I mean, way. I feel like there's there's no desire on Walcott's part to leave Arsenal. I think he knows he's in a quite a good, uh, with, with the exception of the fact he's not getting playing time. He's he's very comfortable at Arsenal, isn't he? He's been there for a hell of a long time, and I think if it was up to him, he'd probably stick it out now. Like, I don't see Walcott as someone who's going to play late into their mid-30s or anything like that. No. I th- I think he could retire pretty early, actually. I could see Walcott retiring at like 32, 33, no problem at all. So I think if it was up to him, he'd love to stick it out at Arsenal and kind of have, you know, he, he from a sort of commercial point of view, it kind of works for him, doesn't it? That he's kind of been this not one club guy, but for his adult life, he's mm. been with one team. And, it, you know, there is a good relationship between the club and the player, if not always the fans and the player. So Yeah. It's interesting. It depends what he wants to do. If he's happy being just a sub or uh, a second string player at Arsenal, mm. then I think he might stay. But if he wants to if he wants to challenge himself, if he wants to try something new before the end of his career, and maybe perhaps make himself important somewhere else, then then I think he might need to think very seriously about moving on. Maybe I'm underestimating him, but I'm not sure if he does want to challenge himself. <laughs> maybe not, so, maybe not. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, it's 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 a question of how happy he is at Arsenal uh, versus how much he wants to play. Yeah, so that's it. Um, this is kind of on a similar theme, really, but Gunnar Lover on Twitter asks, do you think it's possible we will play a system that includes both Lacazette and Giroud starting up front. Well, that goes back to playing one behind two strikers. Yeah, I, th- I think that's possible, isn't it? You know, you could play 
three at the back, two wing backs, and then kind of a diamondy looking midfield. Yeah, with two up top. Yeah, it's certainly possible. I mean, it does give you that bit of flexibility when you play three at the back to be able to uh, to be able to shift your midfield around a little bit. I, you know, I don't know. It really depends what way Arsene Wenger wants his team to play. Mm. I think in buying Lacazette, he's bought a really, really quick striker. And it strikes me that he might want to play in a way that uh, gets the best out of him. So maybe sit deep, maybe look to counter-attack a little bit, maybe be able to hit teams on the break if you've got quick players. Uh, you know, I think we, we've we been linked with Mares, who's very quick, obviously. Alexis is quick. Ozil is much quicker than people give him credit for. Danny Welbeck's a very fast player. I think we're moving away from that more physical centre-forward that we have in Giroud, who, I, you know, again, I think it, it could be a valuable player for us next season. But in general, I think he wants a return to more speedy football. Bellerin's really quick. Oxlade-Chamberlain is really quick. I don't know what this uh, the new guy Kolasinac is like in terms of his uh, in terms of his pace or anything like mm. that. But you know, for the most part, we seem to have a, a collection of really quick, speedy players, and I think that's the kind of football that he wants to play. Whether you can do that by playing Lacazette and Giroud up front, I, I don't quite know. Do you, I mean, he could look for something. In the way that uh, Giroud combines with uh, Griezmann at international level, perhaps create a combination like that with Lacazette. But I think you know Griezmann is a is a better footballer all round. Uh, you know, coming from deep, so I don't quite know. I don't quite know. Yeah, I mean Lacazette. Some of his best football was played in a front two. He played uh, up top next to Gomis, who later turned up at Swansea at Leon and and did very well sort of playing with a target man next to him. So I'm sure he would benefit from it. I think we'll start the season with the same shape as last and hopefully it is Alexis and Meza Ozil behind Lacazette. I think that's the, the the main plan, but it's good to have variety and, and options in there. If I'm honest, I had to, if I had to put a bet on it now, I don't think Olivier Giroud will be around to be a part of that next season. He just seems very cagey when talking about his future it doesn't feel like there's any degree of certainty really about what's going to happen you think we're going to sell him i think we are yeah but the, does does that not then preclude a walcott sale i think it does i think it look it's not necessarily what i would choose yeah yeah, but yeah. i think that is the way around it's going to be what what do you think if you were to ask me which one is most likely to leave my gut tells me it's Giroud. but if you were to ask me which one i think we should keep it would also be Giroud simply because he's he's reliable. He's not prolific, of course. We know he's not going to be a 30-goal season man, but we saw last season plenty of times where his impact from the bench... I'd feel more confident about bringing Olivier Giroud off the bench than I would Theo Walcott. Um, of course, and his record's outstanding mm, doing that. Yeah. I just wonder if Giroud... I don't think Giroud wants to leave Arsenal at all, but I do just wonder if with the World Cup on the horizon and with him being a slightly different personality to Walcott, if he might be the one who says, do you know what, I need I need to go yeah. to play. Uh, I think there might be an element of that. Too. Yeah, I think Giroud would be more prepared to leave than Walcott That's it. is. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mac Andrews, who's at Mac Andrews, he says, do not say I don't know. I don't know how he preempted that other guy's question. But anyway, he says, why do you think Arsene Wenger was never asked about Chesney and all the pressures that he's had this preseason? I'm not sure. Uh, no, I, <laughs> uh, I don't think there's any kind of agenda. I think it's just that there have been 
I mean, more headline-grabbing topics to discuss, things like Sanchez or Mbappe or what have you. But yeah, Chesney left at home, and it seems like a a matter of time, really, doesn't it? Until until he's out the door. From what we hear, a deal with Juventus for about four p is edging ever closer. <laughs> Ooh, where are we going to spend that? We're holding out for ten p. <laughs> where are we going to spend that whole ten p? Yeah, it's going on Alexis's signing on fee, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know why he hasn't been asked about it. I'd like to ask him, actually. Um, hopefully I'll be at the Emirates Cup, and if it's not been raised before then, and if Chesney's still an Arsenal player, I'll endeavour to raise it, because I'd love to know what Arsenal's logic is, uh, especially if David Espina is also potentially but is on he? his way out. But is he? Though? Well, I don't know. Well, that's the I thing. Don't I, don't, I don't know that he is. We haven't heard anything more about David Ospina going anywhere. I know it's a little bit quiet. There are, you know, like you say, there are other things that are dominating the headlines. But, you know, he's on the tour, Ospina. Other players who aren't going to be at the club next season are not on the tour. So you look at the likes of Debushi, uh, Jenkinson, Gibbs, Chesney, Wilshire to an extent. Of course, he's injured. But, uh, you know, Ospina's on the tour. I would, I would be, at this point, I would be surprised if Ospina left to be honest, because if we're letting Chesney go, it means we'd have to be in the market for a goalkeeper because despite what uh, information you had from a very good source, I will add, I would be very, very surprised if we were going into a new season with Emmy Martinez as our number two goalkeeper. Well, he didn't, he didn't do himself any favours against the Western <laughs> Sydney Wanderers, did he? Uh, it wasn't the most convincing audition. But yeah, it's funny, Ospina going seemed a certainty at the end of last season. Um I felt like, you know, we we thought it was nailed on, but maybe the Chesney situation has changed that. Yeah, it's weird. Ospina's a guy who's been on the verge of leaving almost every Forever. summer since he That's joined. It, yeah. and he, just, he, he, he just doesn't, you know? So whether it's because Arsene Wenger really likes him and wants to keep him, or if it's because uh, the, the offers that come in aren't really up to it. I mean, there was talk of Fenerbahce and Arsenal uh, wanted more from Fenerbahce than they were offering because they were only offering something like £3 million. I don't think that's unreasonable at all from Arsenal's point of view mm-hmm. to seek more uh, for David Ospina than that. But, you know, Again, I, I just don't see him leaving unless something something big comes along. There was a club in Ligue 1 as well, wasn't there, that was priced out? Was it Nantes, Nantes maybe? Nantes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's a better pronunciation. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so maybe he will stick around. Maybe I did hear that Martinez was getting the nod as number two, but if Ospina sticks around, he'll have to he'll have to wait it out as number three. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I, Chesney, I mean, it does feel it, uh, like a matter of time, doesn't it, until he joins Juventus? Mm. Yeah, again, it's it's just us trying to get the best deal that we possibly can. It, and it comes down to perhaps Juventus knowing that this is a player that we don't want. Therefore, they're prepared to lowball us as much as they can. So, you know, we're not selling players that we we desperately want to hang on to. The only one that, that we've got any interest in is uh, Alexis Sanchez. And that's... Um, Again, mm. we don't quite know what's going on there. Anyway, go on, your question. Well, if we do need a new goalkeeper this summer, it's not going to be Joe Hart. He's just joined West Ham on loan, which makes me wonder if they're prepared to sign an England national who's kind of fallen from grace in Hart. They they feel like the only club who might buy Jack Wilshire from Arsenal, I think, West Ham. Mm. Mm. That's an interesting uh, one. They're the most likely destination in my mind, but who knows? Arsenal make it seem open to the possibility of of Jack staying so yeah. you never know 
Uh, question. Yeah. Let's have this one. We've had a few variants on this question, but this one comes from Matthew Morrissey. And he says, given what David Ornstein has said this morning, the latest proclamation from the Ornacle, is it time to give up on Lamar and go for Mares? And then he's put brackets. A swap deal, perhaps. Mm. Swap deal, no. I don't, who know, are who, we I swap? don't know who's included in the swap yeah, deal. Yeah, who would we, who Theo would we swap? Yeah, Theo Walker, maybe. But swap deals, as we know, uh, are so very, very rare. Um, very rare. Very rare because they're they're very complicated. Um, yeah, I mean, you have to take what uh, Ornacious D says with uh, <laughs> some seriousness, you know. Um, again, we don't know. We talked talked about it in the first half of the show whether or not it's Monaco or whether or not it's us where the problem lies or somewhere in between, we don't quite know. Mares Mares feels to me more like a replacement for somebody than an addition. Mm. I don't know. Where do you fit Mares if you've got Ozil and Alexis staying at the club? Where do you play him? He's not well, he doesn't back. start in that system, does he? No, he, does, he wouldn't start in that system if those guys stay. I suppose you're just adding depth in that area, really. Yeah. But it, it, I, I do wonder if his arrival would mean a departure, whether it was a Walcott or, or whoever it might be, mm. or Chamberlain. Um, I, I'm still quite pro Mares. I feel like there's a lot of doubt around him after last season with Leicester and the inevitable dip, but there's plenty of players who've been through a bad patch uh, only to come to Arsenal and be revitalised under Arsene Wenger. And I think there is enough potential there that that we could do something with him. I don't for a second imagine that he's like a an Alexis replacement or anything like it, but I think he'd be a very handy player uh, at Arsenal. But it's clear Lamar is the, or has been at any rate, the priority. And I suspect Arsenal will keep trying that. I think they'll view the Mares deal as one that, you know, they could do relatively late in the day. Yeah. Uh, if they need to. Yeah, I think so. I think so. They'll keep him on tenter hooks, I think. There's talk of him going to Roma or an, a deal being agreed mm. with Roma. But uh, yeah, I, I, again, there's a touch of Walcott off Mares. I don't see really how he fits into the formation, though I think he would be much better in one of the one of the uh, one of the positions behind the striker than than Walcott would be. Oh, yeah. I think he'd be quite good in those positions. I just don't think he'd be an automatic starter if we keep everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's assuming we keep everybody, of course. So, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, Roger Clark would like to know, on a long flight, would you rather sit next to a kicking, screaming child, rancidly flatulent old crone, <laughs> or overly chatty John Terry. He says, I ask this because of an eye-wateringly bad journey home from Sydney sitting next to the flatulence option, and it was a living hell. Wow. I mean, that's that's difficult on a flight, isn't it? Because the circulation of air just keeps coming back to you again and again. I mean, not ideal. I This, but this, I don't li- this question to me is, is remarkable. Why? Because it has made the John Terry option... The best More option. palatable. No, the best option. You cannot sit by, by a screaming, kicking child. You just can't. That's, I, think, I think that might be the worst option. Yeah. The screaming child. I, I mean, on a long-haul flight as well, when you need to sleep at some point, or at least you want to sleep to try and desperately while away some of those hours, a screaming child, I mean, there's, there's nothing that can be done about that, is there? No. It's, Eventually, they'll have to 
stop and get tired. But until that point, it is the most uh, horrendous thing. And of course, the flatulence option is is really not a good one either. So that by that, but I don't like people talking to me on a plane. Honestly, that if I sit down, if I'm on a flight on my own, and the person next to me starts talking to me, like in the first five minutes of the flight, oh, uh, my heart sinks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, that happened to me actually when I on the way over to to New York. I think right. I told a story in the live podcast over in New York. I thought I was yeah. getting away with it. I was sitting there. There was nobody sitting beside me. It was a like a two seats by the window setup, and I thought, "Fuck, this is great." I had the window seat. Nobody sitting beside me. And then at the last minute, this really drunk guy got on and started talking to me and spilled vodka all over me and everything else. It was like, oh my god. So yeah, that would be, that would be the thing. You could just put your headphones in and ignore John Terry. He could be there chatting away, and uh, you've got your headphones in. You can't hear a thing. Eventually, I think even somebody with the diminished intellect of John Terry would realize that you weren't listening to him and would just shut up. So therefore, the John Terry option for me is the best one. Okay, fair enough. Mm. Uh, I think I would. I think I would. I can't believe this, but I think I'm going to choose flatulence. Oh no! Come on, you say that now because. You just think, oh, a fart is a fart. But, like, if it's particularly if it's particularly rancid, if the person beside you was farting last night's kebabs <laughs> or pints of Guinness or... Yeah, Guinness would be bad. Oh, Guinness would be bad. That would be bad. I don't know, though. I mean, I've got a very blocked nose at the moment. I could probably get away with it. But <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. I can't believe I've chosen the flatulence. Imagine if it was uh, all three. Imagine if it was a chatty, flatulent John Terry who also screamed like a baby whenever he was unhappy. <laughs> That's the nightmare passenger. To that is, to. yeah. Somehow it all just uh, condenses into one terrible thing. Ugh. Anyway, have you got one more? Uh, I don't know if I do, actually. Have you got any more? I do. This one, final one, on. comes from Anna, who's at Mertesacker with a four, who says, would you rather have one Ray Parler-sized beer or 10 beer-sized Ray Parlers? I'd love 10 beer-sized Ray Parlers. Little pint-sized Ray Parlers, literally pint-sized. Yeah. I'd love that. I would train them. I would do my own dancing show, and we would put the sheep man and his cruel business out of business forever. With little dancing beer-sized Ray Parlors. That would be amazing. And to pay them, I'd only have to give them a little thimble of beer. That would be the equivalent. They'd be happy with that. Yeah. And, yeah, we would travel around. I'd keep them in a sort of big suitcase. (laughs) 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 I'd open it. They'd all come out, chatting away to each other in rhyming slang. I'd I'd love that. Little Ray Parlors, please. That would be great. You know what you could do? You could could find out where Tim, Tim Lovejoy worked. And then you could just yes. send them out one by one. Oh, it's only Ray Parler. Oh, it's only another it's, Ray Parler. Oh, it's only oh, it's only Ray Parlers. So many Ray Parlers. It would drive him insane. And then they would just tear him apart. <laughs> Their little limbs. Just rip him to pieces. Well, they'd be like, like Chucky some, from... Uh, yeah, exactly that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just appearing at the window at night. Wouldn't that uh, be amazing if you had a little switch like you had them uh, controlled by remote control and you have good, affable geezer, Ray Parler that everybody loves, but then there's a switch to turn them evil. Evil little Ray, beer-sized Ray Parlers. That would be amazing. They could just do so much damage and destruction. I'd love that. And then you turn them back to normal and they come back going, all right, how's it going? Great, great. Um, What was the other option? A Ray Parler-sized pint. One Ray Parler-sized beer. 
which is I a can't huge be beer. doing too much. That's too much beer, isn't it? I mean, no chance. I'd have no chance with that. So it, it will go cold or go warm, rather. Warm, rather. Yeah, yeah. yeah. By the time you got to the bottom, it'd be not nice at all. Do you know what I did once when I was in Edinburgh? Myself and go Tom, on. we got a suitcase of mojito. Hang on. Yep. <laughs> a suitcase, as in, like, it's just a case with mojito sloshing about in it. Yep. We were at this Crikey. bar and we were having some drinks and then on the menu was, like, a suitcase of mojito. And we looked at each other and went, I think we should. And he said, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think we should. And they brought out, now, it wasn't like a, a gigantic suitcase. It was one that could fit on a table. Was sort of like a. Could you take it as hand luggage, or would it have to go in the hold? I would say hand luggage. Okay. Hand luggage. So it was a carry-on case. Yeah, of, yeah. And what happens? You just put a couple of straws in the case, like yeah, what? Yeah, and just slurped away and drank a suitcase of mojito. It wasn't my ideal method of drinking mojitos. Was I the suitcase them. lined in any way, or? Yes, it was, James. It was lined, hence the reason the uh, the alcohol and the drink stayed in <laughs> in the suitcase. I can't remember what it was, whether it was some kind of hard plastic or something like that. I assume that's what it was. Did it uh, taste suitcase Um it, the, it It felt to me, yes, that there was an right, element yeah. of, mean, of travel off the mojito that... Even if it didn't, it's in your mind, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. you could you're thinking of the suitcase. I mean, you can see the suitcase. And then you People drink out of shoes, don't they? That's the thing. What? What? I've seen that happen on a stag do whatever. Like a a. People putting beer in a boot and drinking oh, it out. Oh, I thought you meant this was like a, a thing that they do in hipster cafes now. Like, you know, <laughs> you, you order your food and it comes out in, I don't know. driftwood or yeah, something. Yeah, a diving yeah. bell or something like yeah. that. <laughs> but now, ooh, have a pint of this delicious craft ale from uh, from an authentic farmer's shoe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it probably is happening somewhere out there. But I think the suitcase sounds good. Mm. You know, why not? Why not? I'd have a rucksack of cider or whatever. Well, that's what it is. <laughs> Is what we could do, oh, that would be amazing. You could keep your uh, beer-sized Ray Parlors in a suitcase full of mojitos so they, they're always they energized. come out drunk. You come out yeah, drunk, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, well, look, Ray seems to be having, uh, seems to have had a great time on tour with the Aussie fans. It's, uh, mm. it's just unfortunate he couldn't find a nation of people who he could have a beer with, but... Uh, Maybe he'll have better luck in China. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. I'm sure he'll have a good time out there too. Um, I want to pay tribute quickly as well. I've just seen on the news feeds that uh, former Spurs keeper Paul Robinson has retired today. So uh, thank you for retiring and thank you for your services to Arsenal down the years as yeah, well. I think conceded he, plenty of goals against us. I think he's conceded more goals uh, than any other keeper against Arsenal. Yeah. <laughs> Which is well, fantastic. Fantastic. Bravo, yeah, well done to you. And it's, it's difficult to get the ball past him as well, to be honest. <laughs> He's a big lad. He is a big lad. Well, here's to you, Paul Robinson, and uh, have a fantastic uh, retirement. Um, it, yeah. Right, well, seeing as noises appear to have started. I don't well, know what's happening. Uh, yeah, the world's ending outside. I'm not sure what's going on. Is that Daisy the dog? No. It's Daisy. It's, no, Daisy the dog's actually here asleep. She's sleeping through this podcast. So if you've made it this far, well done. You've got a better attention span than Daisy. All right. Um, that's some sort of pneumatic tool out there. Uh, so hopefully she's not operating it. That would be worrying a dog with a drill. It would be. It would be. John Terry's a pneumatic tool as well. Um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> I, we'll leave it there. Thanks as ever for listening. James, you're away. Enjoy your, uh, enjoy your holidays. Enjoy your ham and ruffles. And we'll, uh, we'll have another one when you get back. 
Yeah, come back for the the official Thomas Lamar welcome podcast in Absolutely. a couple of weeks' time. <laughs> all right, thanks everyone. Or the Goodbye Alexis podcast. Oh, wow, you had to ruin it there. It was also positive. <laughs> at the end. Have a good holiday. Uh, yeah, bye bye, guys. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com.